Recorded September the 4th of 2015, this is episode 8 of the Western Devs podcast. In this episode, we discuss balancing work life and home life. Boy, look here, we got something for you. first question I want to ask for this is, is work-life balance still relevant in 2015? We've talked about it. We've People have done blog posts on it. Uh, James, you've done some blog posts on it. Scott Hanselman has done some. And we all kind of know that we should balance our work and our life. So is this still something we need to be talking about? I think whenever you have for as long as we have personal lives, i.e. relationships outside of work, then you know the, the term work-life balance is kind of a misnomer because there's going to be some balance. You might find that it's, it's not balanced the way that you like it. And I think that that is what we always need to work against. So is it still relevant? Absolutely. Uh, work can't only be our life. I, you know, a few of us on the, on the call this week, we work at an organization that we, the mantra is that we only put 40 hours in a week. Um, so sometimes we have those really good boundaries set like that by our employer. And sometimes we work in an, a scenario uh, where our employer demands much more. If we're happy with that, and if we're enjoying ourselves, then maybe we've reached our balance. But it's still something that I think that we need to be talking about and uh, thinking about in our in our lives and in our homes. So the question Follow-up question to that is, what does work-life balance really mean? Uh, I want to direct this to Dylan because you seem to have a different work-life balance than uh, Donald and, and James and I. Yeah, well, I, I think the difference with me is is I don't have a, a family or kids. You know, I, I travel every week for work, so my personal life and my work life blend together uh, pretty good. But I mean, I I have no complaints, but I'm kind of always working, but also always doing personal stuff. So I mean, I'll work in evenings, I'll work on weekends. But if I have something going on with my friends or going to a football game or whatever, I mean, I always just make time. So it, it works for me, but I don't I don't think that would work if I had a family. I, I think there's a interesting contrast there as well. I mean, James is talking about the fact that you have this balance of only 40 hours a week. And Dylan's talking about the fact that it all kinds of blends together. And it's a different type of job you do kind of puts different pressures on work and life and causes the blends to happen. If you're running your own business, pretty hard to cut cut out after 40 hours every week. You know, I've run my own consulting company for a number of years now. I have to work in the evenings because writing blog posts is part of my job. It's how I market myself. I have to prep for conferences because being out there and talking about things is part of how I market myself, stuff like that. So work life 40 hours a week, I don't think there's a set in stone thing that can work for people when it comes to rules like that. And I think though that you've you've kind of helped articulate some of the detail that goes into finding that balance because you're... What you're talking about is still 
I guess, you know, just to rewind, I don't think there's only two things, you know, I, I don't think that it's either just, I'm either working or I'm not working because in the same vein, um, I, you know, I, I write 50 plus blog posts a year. I've, I've done the, the authorship thing a couple of times now, and those things also have a place in that balance. So the idea is to be very intentional with your time. And I think for me, that's what the meaning of work-life balance is, finding intentionality in the, the things that I'm going to put priority on in my life. I think that's a really good point. You know, and the first thing that came to mind when you said uh, that you've done authoring a book before is, yeah, I did that as well with Kyle. And part of what I had to do was find little pieces of time within the life part of my work-life balance to inject that work. So we went off to a, uh, a concert, um, all day, all weekend concert, in fact, and we were camping at it. I brought the laptop, everybody sitting around the fire talking and getting drunk. I sat around the fire and wrote part of the book and got drunk. Um, it's fitting in these little pieces of work where you have some downtime too. It, it's possible that you've also explained part of the content of your book then. <laughs> yeah, that's the part that I credit to Kyle. <laughs> so when, when I started working from home and, and like, I mean, this is, you know, speaking to the relevancy, I think is that I identify that there's, you know, four things going on in, in my life and what I'm trying to balance. One of them is, you know, and, and I call it my top priority is, is my family. And, um, I've got, you know, I've got my wife and my three kids and I want to make sure that I'm, you know, spending the time that I want to with them. Um, so I've got family, I've got myself, and I think we've, we've probably got some room later to, to talk about this, but carving out time for what I'm going to be doing, you know, my career or personal interests and things like that. There's the work aspect, which is the 40 hour block that pays the bills. And then there's the community aspect. And I consider community both the, the blogging um, and the conference speaking and, and similar types of things. So I look at it as those four things, the family self, community, and work um, as part of trying to plan my week out. I think the one that I personally have struggled with out of all of those um, forever has been the self part. That seems to be the piece, at least for me, that really skews the comfort of work-life balance. You know, making time to do things that you want to do that aren't in any way related to work, um, sure. whatever those things are. And it's, I find that to be something that really can skew my outlook on life in general if I don't pay attention to it. Doesn't community feed into that somewhat? I mean, we all are relatively active in the community, but I, I'm not going to claim that I'm doing this purely for altruistic reasons. There is a certain you know, benefit to it from a career point of view. There's also a benefit to it from a personal point of view. It's something that I would think we all enjoy doing, and we do it not because we think we're furthering a career only, because there's other ways you can do it. I think it's what you want to take from it, ultimately. And if you want to take, uh, you know, a big thing for me at one point in my career and my life was getting more comfortable with being in social and public situations. So going to conferences, user groups, things like that uh, was a big step out for me professionally, but it was a bigger step out for me personally. And so as far as work-life balance, I thought of that as being contributing to my life part of my balance, not to my work part. So it's what you want to get from it a lot of the time as well, I think. An important separation for me between um, community and self was in finding that if, 
I didn't used to have those separated because I was saying, you know, while I'm doing the things that I'm interested in and sharing it with the community, um, I, that's that's the time that, that, that I'm blocking off for that. The problem became that um, sometimes I would be doing, for example, a series of articles on my blog. And while I understood the topic really well, finding a way to form it, a, a series of posts that were going to be meaningful for others wasn't helping me to improve my skill set. The other thing is, is that the community aspect of, of the slicing my time up, it, it doesn't address things like skiing, for example, that maybe not everyone in my family is into, but I, I really enjoy and I want to make sure that I've got time for that. So those separating those things is was was important to me. So um, to answer your question, Kyle, no, I, do, I don't think that community in self, while there is overlap, I don't think that they're one and the same. I think you're right. There is a good argument to be made for keeping them separate because community you're dealing with other people it eventually the the obligation starts to factor in if you're going to take up a personal hobby like woodworking or you know robotics or something like that you're responsible only to yourself but once you start dealing with community you say you're going to do a talk at this user group well that you have to be somewhere at a particular time and yes you thought it would be fun to put together this presentation, but I find personally that it's a lot more fun to write presentation abstracts than it is to actually put together an actual presentation to follow up on it. You introduce deadlines, right? And deadlines are commitments. And it's easier to uh, shrug off those types of commitments when you're doing something like a hobby like woodworking or, I don't know, scrapbooking or something like that, you can say, you know what, it didn't get done today. I'd love to have spent the time, but it didn't get done. Whereas writing the presentation, great, it got done, but I didn't feel like showing up at 9 o'clock on a Saturday morning to do it. That's really not something you're going to want to do, right? So I guess the uh, takeaway from that is to make sure you're aware of the obligations that are involved once you start diving into the community aspect. They come up in interesting places. I, at one point, was trying to make a hobby out of doing some open source type work. Um, it was for, uh, let's loosely call it Internet of Things. And part of it was writing code, and I decided I'll just open source it. But as soon as you open source that code, you've got a commitment to maintain it and deal with the community that's that's working with it or consuming it. And... That wasn't something I expected or saw coming. And now all of a sudden I have this expectation built around what was I was trying to build as a hobby that I could pick up and put down as I wanted. So that that actually kind of, you know, leads to this other aspect of, you know, being that we are a bunch of uh, computer IT related uh, type working people, there's there's this aspect of disconnecting and how that happens and, and what that looks like. And um, I think that's something that everybody needs to figure out as well. That, I think, is also a personal decision that you need to make, is how you disconnect and, and what is involved when you do disconnect, how long you do it. So, James, like, I remember you've talked before on, like, a, it's a disconnect day. You call it something else. What is that all about? 
Yeah, we we call it the digital Sabbath, and I, we tried doing it weekly for a while, and I'll, I'll explain it in a second. We found that that didn't work, and even that is part of the balance. But basically what we do is we – if it uses electricity, it's out of bounds. So there's no Xbox, there's no phone, there's no tablet, there's no checking email or sending and receiving texts, and we do that for 24 hours. We, we do it now a couple of times a month. It It actually was something that – really helped on the family balance side of things because when you can't fall into the couch to watch a TV program, you end up outside building a tree fort with your kids. And it it really helped in that way. And it, it helped us find some new interests for our kids. They've gotten into some things that they weren't involved in previously things like that. So there's, there, there was a lot of, there were a lot of benefits. It was really jarring at first. It was alarming how, much we relied on having some kind of digital connection, some kind of electronic connection, uh, 24 hours a day. And it, it basically, it was like a reset. It just, you know, we're, we're outside more and we're connecting and we're talking to each other, looking at each other in the eyes. And it, it just was a really positive thing for our family. I realize it doesn't work for everyone, but even throughout the week and on weeks when we don't do the digital Sabbath thing, there's another, we've taken some things away and we've kind of spread that out over the week. One of them is that we don't, you know, our phones um, aren't in our pockets when we're in the house. We actually, when we renovated our kitchen, we put in a, an island that has a charging station. And so our electronics, like our phones and things like that, they stay there and we don't carry them around our house with, with each other, like on our person. Um, likewise, we actually went and bought a $9 alarm clock, which happens to be really good at waking people up. And we have one of those in each of our rooms. So we're not using our phones as an alarm clock to wake us up. We found that if our phone is beside our bed, when you wake up at 1.15 in the morning and you're usually, you know, you roll over and go back to sleep, there was a tendency to reach for that phone and check your email or whatever the case may be. Sounds trivial, but our, our sleep has just improved uh, immensely as well. So that, that's one some of the things that we've kind of, you know, helped in, in disconnecting. I noticed on the holidays that I just finished up that, we're becoming more and more connected. It used to be that I was always scolded for being the person that was checking his phone uh, all the time. And there's some truth to that. Well, probably a lot of truth to that. Uh, but I noticed while we were on vacation, I had my phone and I checked it, but I fought checking it internally. I don't know how well I did. The The missus, she had her phone. She was checking it quite often. And then we had a, a phone that didn't have cell service, but had games on it that the boy was constantly playing. So I caught us at times sitting at a table having dinner uh, or waiting for dinner to be served and all three of us were on our phones, nobody looking at each other, nobody talking, things like that. And it points out, I think, what James was saying, the fact that you, you don't look each other in the eyes. And that's, that's time that could be put towards uh, family or the life part of work life that you're not doing, whether you're working on your phone or not. So I, I don't have the, the family issues you guys have, but I've definitely had the frustration where I'm out like for dinner with friends and everybody's just sitting around on their phone. And what uh, we've done before, which I think is kind of fun, is you go out for dinner or lunch and everybody puts their phone face down on the table. And the first one to pick it up pays for the meal. And it's nice. really hard. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. We call that stacking the phones. And um, I actually I'm I work with a youth group uh, downtown and uh, when we do like uh, meal events we stack the phones and the, the, we do have um, we stack the phones during the meal so we until until everybody's ordered the food and um, the food's on the 
on the table in front of everyone. They're allowed to use their phone, but they're still encouraged to converse. But once the food is there, until everybody has done their last bite of dessert, the phones have to be stacked. And you can see them like visibly twitching. They're looking at their phones. A notification goes off and they're all looking at the center of the table. It's (laughs) actually quite funny to see. And I saw something, uh, one of my teacher friends, I think, posted this on Facebook, a picture of somebody's classroom. And at the front of the class, they had a little thing on the wall with everybody's name and a, and a pocket. And when you walk in the class, you got to put your cell phone in your pocket at the front of the room. And that's how they do attendance. Right. So I think, you know, our, our just the, the nature of the beast, I, I don't think we want to have this tether continually. And I, when you see people doing things like that, like I got the idea for stacking the phones from someone else, but uh, there's, you know, teachers doing these like attendance check-in things or whatever, or, um, you know, us doing this whole digital Sabbath idea. People are looking for ways to be disconnected. And I think that, the, I mean, it's exactly on topic as far as work-life balance. But do you guys have any like negative stories or negative experiences where you felt compelled you had to make a change because you had, you know, negative impacts because of a poor work-life balance? Uh, negative in the fact it was skewed heavy to work or skewed heavy to life? Uh, I'm thinking more heavy to work, something where you realize this isn't working and I need to make a change. Absolutely. I've, I've felt it a number of times. I've burned out hard at least twice in my career and uh, just had to walk away from doing stuff because I became all absorbed with work or work-related stuff, whether I was putting in time for my employer at that point. And uh, yeah, it, to the point where I didn't want to open up a computer. And I, I think I took off about six or seven months at one point, lucky enough to be able to do that. And during that time, I slowly got back the urge to even sit down in front of my computer. But when I first started taking that time off, I didn't even want to log into email. It, it annoyed me. It frustrated me. Um, it was not a positive experience being on the computer whatsoever. When I was 23, 24, um, I was working in Calgary and it was, you know, 12 hour days on top of the, you know, suffering at home, not having a good, like not putting, not investing well in my relationship with my wife and my son at the time, we just had one. There was also this other implication because, you know, when the money's flowing freely, you're not really doing things like thinking about eating well, because you can get on the plus 15 and go grab whatever lunch that's a thousand calories over your daily need anyways. And then you're sitting in front of the computer for 12 hours a day. And when I had my early career burnout, it was a, a massive uh, failure. Like I look at the, we, my wife and I laugh now because we call it the chubby, chubby Jimmy pictures because I'm half the man that she, she used to be married to literally. And it's, it's everything was off the rails. So yeah, I mean, I, I definitely needed to, to figure the balance thing out. What about you, Dylan? Have you ever reached that point? I, you know what? Like I said, I've, it's never, I've never felt it to be a huge problem. I, it's just because, because I don't have a family. I have a, a lot of uh, extra time, downtime, I guess. Right. So in the evenings, right. I, if I got, if I got something going on with my friends, absolutely. My friends, I'll always uh, take that first, but a lot of times I don't. So it's either sit and veg in front of a TV or do work stuff or write blog posts. And I enjoy doing that stuff. So I've never felt it to be a huge problem. That, that's a point I was going to bring up earlier, is that you're basically doing what you like to do and, and getting paid for it. And I think the rest of us are as well. So when we talk about work-life balance, it's almost like we're saying, 
how can we work as little as possible so that we can spend more time uh, on, on our lives, even though we like doing what, we, uh, what we've chosen to do. And, and even if what we've chosen to do overlaps into the personal interests, right? Because I'm, you know, like ASP.NET 5 is coming out right now and I'm really enjoying spending my, you know, quote unquote self-time diving in and learning this stuff inside and out. There's a, a fellow that I know who uh, is kind of similar situation to you, Dylan. He travels, I would say, 10 to 11 months out of the year. He's uh, away from home and he's got two kids. He's got a wife that travels with him sometimes, but not always. And I don't want to get too much into his life story, but I've asked him, why do you spend so much time away from home when a lot of times you don't really need to? You could stay at home. You've got a nice home. You could spend some time there. And he basically said, if I wasn't getting paid for doing this, I would do it anyway. Yeah, and I definitely find, like, because like, I'm a consultant, I'm on lots of different gigs doing lots of different types of work, and some of it I enjoy more than others. And I definitely notice when I'm doing something that I don't enjoy as much, I'm not spending my evenings doing it. I'm doing other stuff. But, you know, oftentimes I'm on projects like the one I'm on now where I really enjoy it. And in the evening, if i got nothing to do, I'm going to work on it because I like doing it. So with respect to work-life balance, Donald and James and I, and I think Dylan, to some extent, you as well, we all don't work in an office. We work at home or we work out of wherever we happen to be at the time. How does that affect the effort that you need to put into your work-life balance? Is it something you have to be conscious of or you have your work-life balance already set up so it's not really an issue? Well, I know you, you said most of us work at home, so I'm on the road, but I rarely work at home, right? I'm always in a client's office. I'm in a client's office right now. I think if you're working at home, it introduces uh, different problems to the work-life balance where instead of work creeping into your home life, home life starts to creep into your work somewhat. And I've struggled to uh, maintain that balance so that sometimes, you know, work hours have to be strictly work hours. And the fact that I'm at home doesn't mean that I need to uh, make myself available for home tasks. So that, that, that was an interesting thing I didn't see coming when I started working at home. I've struggled with that as well. It's, it's not so much that I can make the shift between work and home. It's all the people around me have to also be on board to say, you know what, when daddy's in this room between these hours, he's not available to you. I, I say daddy, but it also applies uh, to some extent to my wife. It's We both work from home or, you know, not in traditional offices. So there's always a tendency when I go out or when she goes out, she'll contact me and say, hey, don't forget to wash the dishes up, you know, this afternoon or something like that. It's just conversations that just would Can you change over the laundry? Yeah, there's just conversations that just would not happen if you were both working in a corporate office. One of the ones I saw for that was um, Scott Hanselman, uh, and I don't think he blogged specifically on it. He might have, but I saw it, it talked about in one of his blog posts where he has a light above his door that's uh, I'm working light, kind of like you see the recording lights outside of studios. And I've considered that as something. I'm With the kid in school and my missus out working in a traditional office, not at home, my work hours are pretty free of uh, interruption. But um, I've considered having a, 
a working light above the door to show that I'm actually not to be interrupted. And I think Han- Hanselman actually has that uh, work light, the light outside his room, tied into his link status, right? He did a little hacking, which I thought was pretty cool. I'm I'm not going that far, but I am wiring. I do like we're doing our renovations right now in the um, in our basement, and uh, I am wiring uh, like a busy light on and. That way it'll, it'll help. And it's, it's, the light is upstairs actually, so that everyone will know even to not be chasing each other around or if they're going to be, if there's going to be horseplay or whatever, they're going to go outside. So we've already talked about that and there's, it's, it's not a a training thing. It's, and and I I actually think that when, when we're talking about balance and even uh, especially working from home, the more people that you have that it's going to affect, I think you have to be very explicit about where the boundaries are. And that can be boundaries of noise. It can be boundaries of time or space that have to be wrapped around those pieces. So when I leave my home in the morning, and I granted I work from home, but when I leave home in the morning, I go and I walk a north cycle around my block. And I come in the back door and I go downstairs. Before I leave the house, I say goodbye. Um, to my wife and kids. It's have a good day. I'm going to work. And I, I walk north on the north cycle around my neighborhood and I go in the back door and I walk downstairs. And at the end of the day, I go out the back door. I walk the south cycle around the neighborhood and I arrive at my front door and I walk in and I say, hi, honey, I'm home. And it it's, sounds a little goofy to do, but it has it, it was one of the most beneficial things for me and for my family in saying, I'm actually going to work now. And I, I mean, I, I cheat at lunchtime. I, I come upstairs and have lunch and I don't walk around the block. But at the start of the day and the end of the day, it's it's very intentional that I'm leaving my home life and not answering the home phone and those types of things. And I go to my office and, and that's when I work. When I first heard you were doing that, I, uh, I loved the idea and I went out and I tried it the first day after that and I got home and I realized I didn't have a back door. <laughs> it's harder. <laughs> yeah. Now, when you say you go upstairs... Uh, at lunch and you're kind of cheating that's where i have some trouble because you have to there there's an effort on my part to maintain the i'm at work part so when you know over the summer the the kids are at home and every time i poke my door out of the my head out the door my son would say is it you know five o'clock yet daddy are you done work yet daddy and the problem is that sometimes I would need to take a break. I don't want to stay in this office all day. So I'll go out and, uh, you know, make myself a snack or have a glass of water, play the piano or a little bit. And I, I struggle with that. Is that really cheating or am I taking a break? You know, to my family, it looks like, well, I'm not working right now. Why don't I change the laundry over like Donald said earlier? And And that is part of you know, when you have those relationships and when you are at home and you're embedded, your work is embedded in your home, that's part of the the understanding. And whether or not you choose to participate in family stuff when you take those breaks, um, I think that's a personal choice. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I come upstairs at, you know, like if, if you think about it, how many times when you're working at an office, do you, you get up from your desk, you go to the bathroom, you go get a coffee, you stop at someone else's desk and you get sidetracked and, and those things happen. Those distractions happen throughout the day. I, I don't think those are always bad. If, if it gets into excess, then it can definitely be bad. But, um, you know, I have, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning and three o'clock in the afternoon, I try and get up 
and do something if it's not downstairs um like i i play guitar so it's either something like that but sometimes i also choose to participate in family type things like when you know my kids are home for the summer we are huge avid lego fans and often i'll go up for 10 minutes and i'll sit down and we'll keep working on a build that we're doing or something like that and you know it's very easy to pick up and start doing it's very easy to put down and walk away and we've grown to understand what that means to have a 10 or 15 minute break in the afternoon um between me and my kids to share that time together how old are your kids uh, my kids are uh 13 11 and 5 how does the five-year-old manage it Five-year-old is, is doesn't quite understand time as well as the older ones, but she's also really good at, you know, the, the saying goodbye thing and understanding that I'm, you know, probably not going to be there until lunchtime. And if, if I do pop upstairs uh, rather than hanging out in the cave, then yeah, I mean, it's a little bit harder to manage, but we need to kind of just keep reminding her that it is the work day and I am working and I, I can't go and start painting, but we can do something that's maybe lower uh, engagement. Now, you say your office is in the basement is, and everybody else is basically upstairs uh, on the main floor. I think uh, that's an important piece, too, is having an actual room that can be seen as, as separate. A separate space, yeah. And we're actually doing some other things, too, during our renovations here. We're adding soundproofing and, and things like that so that um, the noise doesn't carry as much as well. And they can have more free space upstairs. Double locks. I think the... The location is um, somewhat important as well. You know, I've got my own office room, and that's what it is. It's an office. Nobody else um, does anything in it. But it's immediately off of the kitchen. So I either have to close the doors, which I find to be rude when I'm not in my regular business hours, or I have to deal with the noise that comes from the kitchen area because someone's making dinner or they're sitting there having conversations or something like that. So location should be thought of as well, not just the isolation part. One of the um, most important things that I did, and I didn't even do it consciously, is uh, for the first few years after we uh, lived here, we were living it at the place where my wife worked. And you know, it was just kind of a condition of our employment until we could find our, our own place. And then... Um, we found, and, and it was really hard on her because she was always at work. She And, of course, her, her boss at the time, he was traveling all over. So 3 o'clock in the afternoon to him might be 11 o'clock at night for us. So it was very hard for her to disconnect. So when we found our own place, it was uh, it was a tremendous advantage. But with me working at home, what I found is that I would go to work with her. You know, her office was pretty free to, I could hunker down somewhere. And even though I didn't have to, going to work with her and coming home with her uh, was a tremendous advantage to disconnecting, saying, okay, I'm done work. I don't need to check my emails. Um, it's just the, the whole change of environment. If you can manage it, I think is, is uh, huge for work-life balance. So yeah, absolutely. And this is, I'm actually working on a blog post on this right now. And during work I, I hours? Ref, uh, no, <laughs> uh, no, during uh, the community time. Um, <laughs> I'm working on, I, I call it um, engagement and disengagement. And if you like at five to five, what I'm doing now is I'm actually tearing down my work environment um, because I use my 
the space for both work and then, you know, the community stuff and some of the self stuff and even some of the family stuff. Cause my wife and I do our, we do our finances together. So that, that happens in the office as well. So what I do is five to five, I'm, you know, I'm logging my time. I'm responding to any emails that came in late. And then I tear down my work environment so that my, my desktop doesn't have any work left on it. Um, likewise on the front end of my day, the first couple of minutes, it's just getting things spun back up. And I'm not like, I'm, what I'm meaning is that, you know, there's really good practices as a, as a developer, as a communicator, as a coworker that you can do. I, I, I maintain a zero inbox that makes it really easy for me to, um, not worry about how much email I'm going to have in the morning because, Honestly, it's only going to be a couple of emails in my inbox. So those things all help. And it, it lets me at the end of the day as well, I take in that time, I will actually go and change my mail for work email to um, only check on demand. So if I'm expecting an email from someone, that's fine. I'll go in throughout the night and I might try to check my work email a couple of times, but the rest of the time, that's my time. And unless I'm expecting an email, uh, I'm not looking for it. I'm not waiting for it. And I'm not going to let it interfere with the rest of my, my time for throughout the evening or the weekend. I do a similar practice of um, build up and tear down to start and end my days. And I found that that is the single biggest thing that has given me separation between my day job and the rest of my time. I went so far, unlike James, I don't have email on my phone for work. I just don't need it there. I'm, during my work hours, I'm in front of the computer. I can get my, my emails there. I, so yeah, I have a very, very defined start and end of the day that way. And it's it's really good feeling because as soon as that teardown's finished and the time clock stops, everything else can start. So we talked about disconnecting, using a digital Sabbath to not use technology, not use anything with electricity on there. But is there anything you guys are doing to maintain your your work-life balance that actually uses technology? Like, for example, this uh, the, the light that uh, Scott Hansman uses to indicate that He's at work. Is there something that you're doing with technology to help with that? Um, my wife and I um, actually both bought bands, like Microsoft bands. And that was, for us, that was one of the things that empowered us to leave our phones like off of our person when we're walking around the house. There's, there's a couple of things that we have to, you know, there's some realities of, of our life. Um, my nephew is eight weeks old and just had heart surgery. Um, it was a complicated pregnancy and my wife was really connected with her sister during that time. So we, she needed to be available, but we didn't want to have this Facebook, Instagram tether thing going on. My son is a type one diabetic and he's got a, a phone to message us if he's out at a friend's place or something like that. And his numbers are off and he needs to communicate and maybe work out a plan with us on how to correct. Um, and he needed to reach out to us. Um, so having this little wearable on our wrist basically meant that it's very easy to preview and dismiss any notifications that come up. And I suppose that that's probably a, a small point, but it did leave us with the ability to just set our phones aside when we're walking around the house. It's uh, it's triaging is what it is. Absolutely. I, I do it a lot. My primary communication method is email for everybody. I My phone rings like once a week. So I, in my off hours outside of work, my personal emails... I still triage all of those. You know what? I'm not going to deal with conference-related emails uh, tonight. We'll just leave those for tomorrow. 
things like that. Um, but if I get an email from Teresa saying, hey, Jacob's having problems at school, we'll, we'll probably deal with that. Things like that. So yeah, you've got to learn how to triage and you've got to set up your own personal triage rules. James has his around, you know, having a, a kid who's type one diabetic and, you know, the family emergency with the child just having heart surgery. Everyone's rules are going to be different. So set up your own rules and then triage based on those. I like uh, Google Inbox for that. It's got uh, some nice features to bundle emails into, you know, however you define the bundles. So for example, all these notifications saying from Facebook or, or Slack or Instagram or whatever, they all get bundled into the social and then I have it set up so that in Google inbox, I only see those once a day or once a week or however I want to. So only the really important emails actually show up in my inbox. And then every morning at whatever, 9 a.m., I'll get this one line saying, here are all your social emails, or here are all the invoices or receipts for stuff that you bought yesterday. So as far as technology, otherwise, um, I don't, I try not to use it outside of my work hours uh, and I guess my community stuff as well. I've run into the problem in the past where trying to make my hobbies technology related has just made it feel like I was doing work for a lot longer hours of the day. So I've taken a kind of a policy similar to James's Sabbath idea that I don't kill electrons when I'm doing my personal time. So we're getting close to the end here. I just want to do a quick round robin. Uh, what do you do in your downtime, for example? What are some examples of the hobbies that you're doing? Oh, um, from my end, well, Lego is definitely a, a hobby for us. We have the robotics kit and stuff like that. So, and that's an opportunity for my kids and I to share uh, common interests as well. So that's that's great. Um, we're avid campers and outdoors people. We do geocaching, which is just a we absolutely love, and everyone in the family can participate in. Um, so those are the kinds of things that we do. Obviously, with kids um, in the downtime, sometimes it's just you know, shuttling the kids around and, and that's okay. We, we use that. And we also are very intentional about things like my wife and I go on a date. We try and go on a date every week um, to make sure that we maintain that aspect of it. And then I also set, set aside time for me to do something with each of my kids um, where individually I get to spend time with each of them. So when I'm not working, um, those are, you know, a lot of the things that I'm trying to do. Um, every morning I, I get up and I either spend time on community or self and I just alternate Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I'm probably doing community stuff and Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm doing self stuff and I'm an early riser. So that for me happens before I start the rest of my day and usually before most of my family's up. How about you, Dylan? Yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a total geek. Most of my hobby stuff is is technology related, you know, doing hobby programming projects or writing blog posts or stuff like that. In the winter, I go I go snowboarding quite a bit. The few times I'm in town, I like to play poker with my friends uh, on a weekly basis. Uh, but yeah, nothing as exciting as James's life. <laughs> Nobody's life is that exciting. Donald? Uh, so in my personal time, I um, my big one right now is woodworking, all hand tool, no electricity woodworking. I'm also uh, doing geocaching because, like James said, it's great for everybody in the family to do it. And then uh, I'm also spending a bunch of time with food-type stuff now. So I love to cook, and more importantly, I love to eat. And so I'm spending time smoking meat and smoking anything that I can fit inside my smoker. 
and uh, just generally making other things. And it's actually something that has turned out to be a lot more like the geocaching for family involvement than I anticipated because, uh, well, Teresa loves to cook and she's a fantastic cook. And Jake, for being eight years old, is 100% addicted to the Food Network. So he wants to get involved in cooking and stuff like that. That's awesome. How about you, Kyle? Uh, what do I do? I, I'm in a couple of bands that is kind of half community, half self, because the community aspect, there's certainly an obligation involved in that, but it's, it's a ton of fun. And, of course, I play the piano. I also do Lego Mindstorms with the kids, or with the kid. The, um, the youngest and he loves it he's only five so I do most of the building he does most of the playing so it works out well for the, the two of us I think we travel quite a bit so there, there is that that's an excellent hobby lots of adventure there yeah we travel quite a bit too and always make sure that uh, everybody's involved in it in some way so we just got back from a trip to South America and Everybody had their own camera, and Jake got his pictures printed off when we got home, and he built up a storybook of everything he saw. And it's a great thing to get everyone involved. Google Photos is fantastic for that. The way it puts stuff together in ways you wouldn't uh, imagine. It'll make animations. It'll make sort of digital scrapbooks for it. It's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, I'm a big fan of traveling, too. I, I didn't mention that, but yeah, it's probably my biggest hobby. I'm backpacking around South America in the spring, going to Africa in a few weeks. Yeah, you're going to the Devil's Pool, I see. That's right. It's going to Very be exciting. Kyle, you know, on all of this, one of the things whenever I'm, like, whenever people are asking me about my experience in working from home or any of the work-life things, the two points, the one of them we've already made, and uh, Don, I think you and I both touched on it, it's, it's finding the right ingredients for your recipe. And what I mean is you have to identify how you're going to triage things. You have to identify what your pillars are, how you're going to arrange your time around it. And that's going to be something that's personal. The The second thing though, and I think probably the most important is that you're not going to get it right. You're certainly not going to get it right all the time. There's going to be periods where you go and you're like, I'm doing phenomenally. Everyone is happy. I'm hitting all the things that I want to. And then all of a sudden you're going to hit Thursday at one week and you're going to realize you haven't spent any time with your wife or your kids or whatever. And you're going to be, man, I, I need to figure this out. So um, I think it's important to identify the things that are important to you personally. And then just to accept the fact that you're not going to nail it 100% of the time. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And being able to identify when you're not uh, nailing it is a big thing. And one Absolutely. that I personally have struggled with. Yeah, me too. It's uh, it, like technology. It's always, uh, you have to have an eye for continuous improvement to being able to um, question whether what you're doing is actually working. And if it's not, then what are some things you can do to improve it? Yeah, and if you treat those things like feature toggles, you can just turn them off for a while if it's not working for you. <laughs> Had to go there, didn't you? <laughs> All right. On that note, uh, thanks uh, you guys for providing your experiences for this. I think uh, work-life balance, as we've discovered, is still a very relevant topic even in 2015. It's going to be different for everybody, but it's something that, like I said, you need to keep an eye on and make sure that it's working out not just for you, but for people around you. So with that, we close out this podcast. Again, once again, thank you to everybody, and we'll be back next week for another topic.